If you're looking for a podcast to give you ideas for unique Halloween treats to give out to the little ghosties and goblins this Halloween. Um, no gluten, no peanuts, no soy, no... You can basically give them a baggie with air in it. Okay. Um, yeah. If I was going to buy anything, and I'm not, I would go buy one of those big giant bags of fun sizes because we get like three on a good year, kids, and then I'd just eat the rest. No, you wouldn't. You don't know me. I do know you. Oh, that's right. You yeah. Do. Well, I'd still, that's that's what I would do you would, in a perfect world. It, and you take them to work and share. <laughs> Those people can buy their own. Oh, but this wow. is not that podcast, you. however. This is comedy. Tragedy. Marriage. Welcome to Comedy, Tragedy, Marriage, a podcast where a longtime married couple take turns each episode selecting movie, TV show, or documentary to talk about or to watch. Then we sit down and talk about why we liked it, loved it, or loathed it, and share that discussion with you. I'm Stan the Movie Man. I review films at StanTheMovieMan.com. You can follow me on Twitter or X. X-Twit. X-Twit. Uh, at Movie Man Stan. You can follow the podcast at CT Marriage. You can also follow me over on Threads, Blue Sky, or Spoutable. All of those are the same at Stan the Movie Man. If you have a question or a suggestion for a movie for us to watch, you can send that to us. Comedy Tragedy Marriage at gmail.com. You can also click the link in the description of the show notes to leave us a voice message, and who knows, you might hear it on the next episode of Comedy Tragedy Marriage. Joining me, as always, is uh, the light of my life, the the sun in my sky, the moon. Over my hammy? Sure. (laughs) My other half. Maud, the I got nothing for this week, Broad. Really? Well, well yeah, I mean, it'd be, it's, it's a it's, hard one to it's do. It's a weird title. And speaking of that, it was my week to choose. Yes. And I chose the 1971 neo-noir thriller, which I think is overcomplicating things a bit. But Clute, uh, it stars Jane Fonda, Donald Sutherland. Uh, Charles Chiaffi and Roy Scheider also makes a small appearance. And a bunch of other people not doing much. Uh, well, they do little things, but not enough to get them listed in the credits. No. Um, the, the film um, was released in 1971, as I said, uh, and principal photography took place in late 1970 and early 1971 in New York City. Uh, back when New York City was dirty and dangerous. And it's not now? Uh, it is less so now. Uh, if you compare the uh, per capita murder rate, it's one of the safest large cities in America. Interesting. Yes. You learn things here. Yes, you do. Despite all the noise we hear about how the big cities are just rife with crime, uh, it isn't necessarily true. Uh, anyway, this is a film uh, that won 
uh, Jane Fonda a Best Actress Oscar. Her first award, second nomination. And uh, it also, I'll get to it in a little bit, but it was, I believe it was also like for up for Best Original Screenplay because it isn't it isn't based on a book or anything. Yeah. Um, the story is um, Jane Fonda plays a uh, prostitute by the name of Bree Daniels. Hooker with a heart of gold. Mm, not really. Well, um, she is, uh, she's a call girl. Um, and, you know, she calls in and gets calls from a service that says, this guy wants to meet you. Or, in one case, she says, I could use 50 bucks. Uh, do you have anything I could go to right now? And then she goes and meets men at their hotels uh, and has sex with them for money. Um, the, um, the way she gets involved in an investigation is a uh, businessman by the name of Tom Gruneman, played by Robert Milley, goes missing. He's uh, like a high mucky muck at a chemical factory in uh, Pennsylvania. Um, and Bree, who has been providing her services uh, to Mr. Gruneman, is receiving these obscene letters, uh, letters that describe all sorts of terrible, terrible things. Yeah, apparently he, the writer of the letters is just, they describe him as a sicko, a freak, mm -hmm. which um, in 1971 terms, we're not really altogether sure what that means early on in the film. Right. Later on, it we... It becomes more obvious. It becomes more obvious that his proclivities lie um, toward violence. Yes. He likes to beat on his women. Yes. Uh, now, uh, it is thought that perhaps Gruneman is the one writing the letters. So, uh, a guy by the name of Peter Cable, who is also a high mucky muck in this particular company, he's played by Charles Chiaffi, uh, he approaches a uh, police detective by the name of John Clute, played by Donald Sutherland, uh, to investigate um, where he is and why he went missing. Yeah, Grinneman's disappearance and what's the deal? Is he alive? Is he not? What what happened to him? Yes. Uh, and does this prostitute have anything uh, to do with his disappearance? Um, he goes by some very sketchy means uh, to keep an eye on Bree, Clute does, he moves into a first floor apartment in her building and he taps her phone. Seriously doubt if he had uh, a court order to do that. Um, obviously doesn't have her permission, but he records her calls about, you know, incoming, outgoing, uh, you know, her, her business largely. But she's also getting hang up phone calls or heavy breathers, obscene phone calls uh, from somebody and possibly it's Gruneman. So, um, Clute goes to Bree and explains that he wants to talk to her about Gruneman. And at first she blows him off and then he follows her uh, and um, 
and at one point plays the tapes that he's been making of her phone calls for her, and she's very much not happy about yeah, she that. she mad. And uh, Gruneman is still missing, and somebody is keeping an eye on her uh, from across the street. She feels like she's being followed. She feels like somebody's been in her apartment. And then we get proof that she isn't just imagining it because we see an over-the-shoulder shadowy shot of a guy across the street watching her go up the stairs into uh, her apartment building. Yeah, nowadays this kind of behavior would be called stalking. Well. And it would be criminal. Well, it kind of is here as well. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, what we do don't know is, is it Gruneman? Is it uh, somebody else? Is, does he mean Brie harm? Uh, is this guy... Is he a protector, possibly? Is, is he trying we don't know. to watch out for her? Or is he, you know... Is it even a he? Could be any number of could be different things. Gruneman's wife, because we meet her in the very first scene of the film. Yes. They're having a very posh dinner party. I, I think it's actually Thanksgiving. Yeah, could what be. they're having Thanksgiving dinner. Um, but yeah, we meet her first off, and then we don't see her anymore. But it, it's like you know, so he's he is married, and he has disappeared from a life. Yes. And she apparently, for whatever reason, wants him back or wants to find out what happened to him. Right. So, um, you know, an investigation ensues. Um, there are. Um, other prostitutes who may have been involved with Gruneman that Clute uh, would like to speak with, but he's having a hard time tracking them down, one of whom uh, is uh, said to have committed suicide, and another one is a junkie. Uh, so they're, you know, can't talk to the dead one, having a hard time talking to the uh, junkie. And would she be credible, and yes. would she remember accurately, and blah, blah, blah. Lots of problems. So, um, you know, Clute is kind of coming up against some brick walls. Uh, even the people who aren't junkies, uh, like um, um, Roy Scheider's character, Frank Lingeren. I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce it. Frank name. the Pimp. Frank the Pimp, um, you know, he's sort of talking in circles about this stuff, and he's being judgmental about Clute uh, because Clute's being judgmental about what he does for a living. Yeah, and he's trying to protect his business. Yes, uh, and the last thing he needs is a cop, um, you know, being sticking his nose in. And that's sort of the problem with his investigation is that this world does not trust policemen um so he's you know he's he's running into brick wall after brick wall but there is a break in the case that eventually leads him and us to who the um who the bad guy is and is it gruneman is it somebody else um it kind of plays its hand about who the real bad guy is real early, which, not my favorite thing in the world. Yeah. But, um, yeah, we, 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 we see who the bad guy is pretty quickly. And, um, and then it's like, 
well, okay. How are we going to wrap this how, up? Yeah, how, how's it going to present itself to everybody else mm -hmm. now that the audience knows who, who it is? But um, it was, uh, Clute was a very successful film. It uh, was uh, made for two and a half million dollars and brought in 12.7 million dollars in 71. Mm -hmm. So that is that is particularly good money. Um, and uh, it's gotten largely universal acclaim from critics. It has a very high Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic score. Um, and it's um, Ebert liked it, right? Yes. And it's uh, it's a, a film that is of a time mm -hmm. and of a style uh, that is uh, you don't see those much. Well, you don't see them at all anymore. But the style is very gritty and dirty, and uh, every place you go is dingy or smoky or uh, is uh, you know just filled with people that your mother wouldn't want you hanging around with. Um, Even the grain of the film looks gritty. Yes. Probably intentionally. Uh, well, I would think so. Um, and again, like I said before, this is back when New York City was a dangerous place to be, especially in Times Square, which is where the uh, porno houses, porno theaters, uh, sex shops, peep shows. Massage parlors. Massage parlors and where sex workers would, you know, ply, ply their, their trade, trade. Uh, out on the street and drug dealers would, you know, be trying to sell you heroin or, or weed or whatever. Um, and it was the kind of place that good people didn't go. Uh, of course, that got all cleaned up in the 80s or uh, 90s um, in part because of various red light district laws that were passed. And now it's full of chain restaurants and, you know, big flashy advertisements. We stayed in Times Square when my chorus went there mm -hmm. to, and it was... You know, was it was big and loud and gaudy and overwhelming, mm -hmm. but I never felt unsafe. No, no, um, and and that's sort of the point. That was the point of cleaning up the adult businesses down there. Although there are people who are wistful for the days when New York City was a little more dangerous than it is now, and isn't just a giant, you know, Times Square isn't it just this giant corporate billboard that flashes twenty four hours a day. Um, but I, I can see the positives really on both sides of it. Um, well, if you lived through that era, there might be things about it, you know, that, that you might miss mm -hmm. just, you know, that kind of wistful nostalgia of, you know, the, the smell of rats and urine and, um, vomit. Vomit. And, you know, and you can still, you know, you can still smell all those things. Ah, uh, they say in the spring the smell of urine just fills the air in New York City. Oh. Uh, Brings but, a tear to the eye because yes, of the ammonia. Because of the ammonia, yeah. yeah. Uh, but it's, uh, it, this is a movie that really invested in New York, the New York of the, 
early 1970 as far as its feeling, its tone, its look. Um, it's all it's all there um, in the uh, just just how grungy and dirty it all looks. Brie, however, generally speaking, is not wardrobed like a hooker, like what you would expect. No, she is she is dressed in form fitting when when she's on a job. She's dressed in very form-fitting outfits. Yeah, but her skirts uh, are long. She yeah. wears a lot of turtlenecks. It's yeah. obvious that she's not wearing a bra, but yeah. um, the, but like boots. A lot of her body is covered. Yes. Where uh, one stereotypically thinks of a sex worker as bearing all of her skin, and perhaps a streetwalker. Would, would have been do that more but she's a call girl there's a difference and she we see her um early in the film as um an acting audition yeah, she's doing she's going to audition yeah as she's well. on it she's on a go see for um something that she doesn't pick get picked for mm -hmm. and then she's actually auditioning for another thing mm -hmm. um where she puts on a like a an irish accent or something yes. where she's doing her dialogue anyway uh, I think um, she chose the wrong accent, though. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Um, can the, well, I? Well, they say interesting, interesting accent. Interesting accent. Yes. Yeah. Um, can I just say that everybody's hair in this film is so remarkably terrible? <laughs> um, again, it's 1971, yes. so you think of you know, I mean that. That hair that Jane Fonda has in this film is an iconic look. Yeah. That shag sort of a haircut. Twiggy kind of look. No, not no. It's it's oh. more of a like a hippie shag kind of situation. Sort of a Beatles cut? Uh, no. Um, no. It's just it's it's that Jane Fonda shag. It's just it's just called a shag, but like Donald Sutherland is like this this early middle-aged looking very awkward teenage boy i mean i expect zits to start popping any second because he is so weird looking and his ears are enormous yes charles chiaffi i almost didn't recognize because i'm used to seeing him um as a more mature person so i i don't know that i had ever seen him as a young actor well, youngish. I mean, he's still got gray hair around the edges, but the top is dark, yeah, like black and and thinning. Yeah, but, but like not a wrinkle to be had anywhere. No, no, and no. Uh, it just, but it, everybody's hair is terrible. Well, okay, it's, it's 1971, so it's, yes, it, it's to be expected. Everybody's fashion is, for the most part, terrible. Pretty much. Uh, that that beige was it corduroy? Was he wearing a corduroy suit? Yeah, they wouldn't let him use wear corduroy because it would make too much noise. No, clute. Uh, oh, I don't know. He was in like you know, like uniform blues a lot of the time, but only at first. We only see him in his blues at first. The rest of the time, he's in a suit. Yeah, just very nondescript. Yeah, uh, but uh, now you may not like her hair, but I thought Jane Fonda was gorgeous in this movie. She was beautiful, except for her hair. Well, I was okay with the hair. Well, yeah, it's because you're a guy, and hair's not going to... 
Well, I mean, if going to be a thing put for a, you. An attractive woman in a in a hairstyle that doesn't suit her, it's it's going to knock her down a peg or two. Yeah. But I I thought she looked great. Now, I don't know when this was in relation to her trip to Vietnam, which is when things sort of went bad for Jane at that point in the 1970s. Uh, yeah, that's when people started using Hanoi Jane as an yes. epithet. Uh, and there was... Uh, Let's look that up, shall we? Okay. There was a, uh, a uh, uh, urban legend that as she was meeting prisoners of war being held by the North Vietnamese, that the American prisoners of war were handing her little tightly folded up pieces of paper with, like, uh, messages to their families or their social security numbers so that they could... Yeah, apparently she went to Vietnam in 1972. Ah, so this was just before she went. Uh, but the, the urban legend was that she was being passed messages by the prisoners and that she showed the North Vietnamese guards what she was being passed and those guys all got beat up Oof. and tortured. It's not true. It did not happen. It was just something that people who hated her for going over there and being against the Vietnam War would say to, you know, to try to knock knock her down even more than she was. But, um, now look, she's 82 now, I think, somewhere around in that neighborhood. Well, again, let's <laughs> look her up. And... You know, she was on Grace and Frankie. She's 85. She, okay. She still looks pretty good. She looks great. Now, she's had some work done. Obviously, that, that face is tight as a drum. But... What she's had done, though, has been very skilled. It is. It does. It isn't an obvious facelift, but for somebody who's 85, that still looks that good. She's obviously had some work done. Well, but you have to remember that in addition to um, being... A Hollywood star with access to all manner of treatments, creams and dreams, lotions and potions, that she was also a fitness guru. So she lived very healthy right. and, you know, took good care of her body. And I have nothing against and her. All of that is all of that is showing in her in her face now. And I'm not saying that it, even any actress who does it, I understand why they do it just don't have it just don't get your face botched well like if you're gonna get it worked on just don't have somebody ruin it well yes i, I mean and again i don't have a problem with her having her uh, her face lifted i don't it's not not a problem for me at all um i wish that as a society we did not foist this you know, effort at eternal beauty, especially on women, um, whether they're in, whether they're actors or not. Mm -hmm. But there's a multi-billion-dollar business surrounding those lotions and potions and and Creams makeups and, and and Botox and uh, all that other stuff. That, for the most part, men do not have to face. It isn't fair that women do. I agree. Um, and, of course, there are actors, male actors, who have had stuff done to their face. 
in an effort to appear younger than they are. Um, you know, um, Tom Cruise is 60, 61 maybe. He may be close to my age. And how how old is that in dog years? I mean, like what what planet are we talking? Well, okay, in Xenu years, he's a baby, but in 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 you know human years, he's about my age. And you know he he's had some stuff done. It's again very subtle, but yes, it looks like he has had some stuff done. I don't now, even care. It's it Tom looks, Cruise. Yeah, it looks like maybe it's almost time to go in for a tune-up, but. Yeah, he certainly has had some some stuff done. Eh. But that's the pressure of trying to stay on top in Hollywood. Well, well, that's the pressure for a man who has always been pretty. Well, there's that. If you look like a man, you can get away with a little bit of aging and a little bit of rough around the edges and actually looking like a man. Well, and but you know, Brad Pitt was always just that pretty boy. Who could act? He looks better now than he ever did when he was young and pretty. Because well, I like a man who looks like a man. Yes, and Brad Pitt has got some miles on his face. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it, it's his prettiness is beginning to become maturity more mature. and character. Yes. So, you know, we watched um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood not too long ago. And. He looks probably better in that movie than any movie he was in prior to that. And you know, unless you just love baby Brad Pitt eh. in, you know, Meet Joe Black or or something like that way back when. Or Felman Louise when he was shirtless. You know, shirtless and, and young a stud. And a puppy. Um he also, you know, in uh Bullet Train. He yeah. looks good in that too. But not ashamed or afraid to a make fun of himself mm-hmm. and b be shown with some miles on his face. Yeah. So women can't get away with that unless unless you are um, a handsome woman to begin with, which means um, either a character actress. Or a leading lady, but not a leading lady who plays beautiful women. Okay, this adds absolutely nothing to do with Clute. But would you consider Helen Mirren to be one of the exceptions to that rule? Uh, she, in her younger days, she was a stone cold fox. Oh yeah, yeah. Um. She still is beautiful. Yes, she she is. is luminous and radiant. Yes, she is. And um, looks like a grown-up. Yeah. Um, but she also is still a lead actress. She is also still, she's even part of, you know, the Fast and Furious franchise now. Yeah. Uh, granted, she's only in them for like three minutes. Mama but, needs a new pair of shoes, yeah, whatever. Whatever. But, uh, you know, she is... She's a gorgeous woman that um, younger men, you know, have on their list. So, you know. British cougar. She, she's she's sort of an exception to that whole rule because she looks like she is naturally aging. I think so. If she has had any work done, it has been so subtle 
um, that it's not apparent. Yeah. Um, I I think of women like Meryl Streep, who I see great beauty in, but she's not conventionally perfectly symmetrical, um, bombshell beautiful. Mm-hmm. I think of people like Frances McDormand, who is not a conventionally beautiful woman, but the way that her face conveys emotion, she's startling in her beauty, but it's not, it's not. It's not cover of a magazine kind of pretty. It's not supermodel pretty. No. It's not Cindy Crawford pretty. It's not, you know, it's, it's a different kind of beauty it's a beauty that has depth behind it yes um like harrison ford he i mean he was you know back in the day and he's an old fart and looks really good but it's the the lines on his face are like a map it shows that he's lived life well and harrison ford is someone who clearly is out of F's to give. Uh, yeah. Because, you know, he if somebody asks him a stupid question on a red carpet, he tells them that is a stupid question. Um, he makes fun of the questions that he gets asked sometimes. Like, you got nothing better to do, really? Re- pretty much. Yeah. Um, although he can't poke fun at himself, like when he was on Kimmel before, I think, one of the the sequel Star Wars movies came out and they had a guy in a Chewbacca suit up in in the audience who mm. you know any questions for Mr. Ford and he, and, he, and he says I told you to stay away from me you know <laughs> he acted like he had stolen his woman or something or as Dolly Parton always says, I love you too, but I told you to wait in the truck. <laughs> so anyway, anyway, we're very far afield. Yes, we are. Um, um, but yeah. Jane Fonda's portrayal of a sex worker um, in this film, circa, you know, in, in 1971, um, is not it didn't strike me as being your stereotypical um bimbo running through the woods in high heels and the big bad monsters chasing after her mm-hmm. and oh woe is me what am oh i fell down in my big high heels um it, it was a little bit more feminist kind of role i mean she there's an iconic scene that's referred to actually in another um movie where she's like she's in the middle of a trick and she's you know faking her climax and she's looking at her watch yes because she's she needs to get out yeah she's you know got the next one lined up or whatever she's got or some she's place got an to audition be to go yeah to. some she's got some place to be yeah um well she's a woman who can take care of herself even as we also see her talking to her therapist and mm-hmm. trying to figure her ish out mm-hmm. um, a lot of I would imagine that a lot of sex workers don't have the self-awareness to know that they have ish that they need to be seeing a therapist to work out or the resources or the resources um. she was t- she talked about um, 
you know, before I was full time back in the life, I had a, you know, posh apartment on Park Avenue, blah, blah, blah. But she's, um, she's backed away from a part of that life anyway. And she's clearly living in a dump because we see her apartment and it's, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a hole. At that apartment now would cost you about $3,000 a month in New York City. Um, oh, that would be cheap, I think, <laughs> for that apartment. But, well, yeah, because it's one big room. It's large. Yeah, relatively small. Yeah, by New York City standards. Anyway, but the fact that she's um, she's a sex worker, but she's, she doesn't come off as a victim to me. No, no, not at all. Um, and there is a scene where her apartment gets tossed. Yes. And, you know, she shows fear, mm -hmm. which anybody would. Well, I mean, by tossed, it isn't just... I mean, it's some... ransacked and destroyed. Right. The, her, her mattress has been slashed with a knife and the innards pulled out. Mm -hmm. And uh, she the, uh, stuff's destroyed and thrown around. I was really surprised that we didn't see her cat harmed. Well, that's what I felt like was coming. Well, that may be one of those neighborhood cats that, you know, lives in several different apartments. Yeah. Because, but we never see the cat again. It's never mentioned. It's never mentioned that the cat is dead or alive. But, spoiling a very old film for y'all, sorry. Um, at the end, suitcases are being picked up and there's a cat carrier. Mm -hmm. So I'm assuming the cat's in it. Hmm. Well, we don't know, but. I prefer to think that, the, yes, the cat's in it. Okay. I'm not even a cat person, no, but whatever. No, neither of us are, but we certainly don't want any harm to come to them. No. Uh, even in a movie. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, she, and, and she is not the kind of sex worker often portrayed like a pretty woman uh, who you know, just needs to be shown the error of her ways and uh, find a good man because Donald Sutherland's clute would love nothing more after about halfway through the movie than for them to be together forever. But she's not going to do that. Even though she knows that's going to break his heart, um, she's, she's not... She, she's she's independent and she likes being independent and she wants to move on to whatever's next that isn't necessarily with him because she says at some point I may be talking to her psychiatrist that she's you know she's not looking for the picket fence and the you know clothes on the laundry line and having dinner ready by 5 p.m. Mm. or whatever um that that's just not her. And even though it would be an escape from that life, it would be probably worse in her mind than living the life. It would be a compromise. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it's... There is some black and white in this movie, but, I mean, as far as the people, but there's also a lot of gray. Oh, yeah. A lot of gray in it's there. It's a complex world. Yeah. And and this is a, a movie that shows the world as being complex. Mm -hmm. um, and that, you know, you know, as long as, as there are powerful people, 
there will probably always be sex workers. Um, I personally... They call it the oldest profession for a reason. Yeah. I personally, it should be legal, in my opinion. Not that I want to, you know, make use of it, but... You can't afford it. That's true. But... um, that way it can be regulated regulated and protected and safe both the sex workers and their customers can be protected Uh, regulations about uh, STI testing and protection um, and 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 all the other stuff vaccines protocols all the right all the things that come with any other regulated industry exactly so uh, and because we're such a puritanical country you know that this and I'm sure that at the time this depiction of sex work was considered highly you know controversial especially with her uh, not being a victim of it that she was doing it as a job as opposed to being forced to do it by a pimp or Um, to feed her drug habit or to you know or any or any of the other cliches about sex workers, but uh, yeah, it's yeah. I'm sure it was considered controversial at the time. Uh, yeah. Now the thing that I most remember about this movie from I had never seen it all the way through before. I had only seen maybe a clip. Perhaps I even saw the clip they showed on the Oscars when they were doing the clips uh, for. The nominees. the nominees for Best Actress is when she's crying near the end. She's she's hearing a friend of hers being murdered mm-hmm. on a on a little tiny reel to reel tape player. The guy who killed her is Recorded playing the it. tape yeah. for her. And you know, at first it's just a tear, which any actress can do. Well, any good actress can do. But then there's the drop of snot. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's good. Well, that's... That's not what I thought at the time. I thought, dude, that's gross. But But it's real. Yes, it's real. She is... She... Jane Fonda was living those emotions in that scene. And I don't even know if she could hear the tape going at the time. Because oftentimes all that stuff gets put in later in mm-hmm. post-production. But there may have been somebody off camera telling her what the noises were. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then they just Could be. put in the sound later. Uh, but She it, went to a very deep place to yes, get that. It's such a moving and, and um, emotional and painful scene. Especially since the person who did the murder is in the room with her Mm -hmm. and she is in great grave danger perhaps that is also part of the emotion that she was able to dredge up at that point yeah i think she is fearing for her life and it's it's i saw that probably i don't know 40 50 years ago but i remembered it and that's kind of why i picked this movie because just flipping through stuff on the various services was like I remember that scene from Clue so let's do that one I had never seen 
any of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw the scene with the, her looking at her watch mm-hmm. referred to in a comedy called Night Shift with <laughs> Shelley Long, Michael Keaton, yeah. and Henry Winkler. Yeah. And these three bumbling idiots um, go into business. Um, well, the two guys work at the city morgue. Yeah. And they start running prostitutes out of it to give them some protection. Well, and Henry Winkler is saving up the money to buy his mother a headstone for her grave. Um, but in in the course of the movie, um, Shelley Long becomes Henry Winkler's love interest, and she she's the whore with the heart of gold, mm-hmm. and um, they begin a sexual relationship, and he's insecure about it. Um, because like he doesn't know if she's faking or not, and he she says I don't wear a watch. Because he mentions that scene in Clute, she's like, yeah, no, I don't wear a watch. Hmm. So that's the only frame of reference I had for this film, and <laughs> and Jane Fonda's horrible haircut, which she carried forward into Vietnam. Yes, and, yes, you know, she she wore that haircut for a very long time. A lot of seventies chicks did. Lily Tomlin had that same do. A lot of 70s chicks did. Goldie Hawn had a version of it. And now they're both, well, at least Jane is all bouffanted. Well, she does a little bit of floof. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Uh, I think this movie's terrific. Yeah. Uh, it, I really, it is, really liked it. It's a, it, it is, as I said, dated, and they give away who the killer is far too early. But, well, I mean, we figured it out. Um, well, they, well, no, they. It was pretty obvious that they were saying it's this guy. <laughs> uh, so, but, but that's fine because the rest of the movie is it's such a statement of the time, and is so unlike any other sort of what is supposed to be a gritty crime thriller uh neo-noir this is this is true grit not to be confused with the western this there there this is a dirty it's really gritty this is a down and dirty movie about a down and dirty time in new york city um and and about the life of a sex worker and i think it's terrific what did you think i'm giving it five stars what did you what do you give it um five big pairs of hooker boots (laughs) Yeah, no, it it it's a very good film. The writing struck me as being um, it wasn't contrived. Oh no, it, it's a very minimal script. The, the dialogue was what real people say and how they say it. Mm-hmm. And in her conversations with her shrink, um, she's very candid, and I just it. It's really a brilliant film. Yeah, it's really good. We watched it on HBO Max, or Max, um, and um, if you subscribe to that service, you can watch it for free. And I'm sure it's available for rent at other places. So Yeah. It's really good. Clute, 1971. Check yep. it out. I always thought Clute was her name. Yeah. I, oh, and here's the other thing I thought. I thought the killer was somebody very close to her. Well, 
I don't want to give it away. I will talk later. Okay. But, uh, yeah, I, I thought the killer was somebody else because apparently I had misinterpreted that one clip I had seen half a century ago. So, um, but, uh, yeah, it, it it's a really good movie. And yeah. um, it's for grown-ups. Yeah. Uh, there's language and there's some nudity. Um, but the content overall, it, it it's very adult themes. Yes, yes. So give it a shot. Yep. Plute. Uh, what else have you been watching, listening to, reading, such as? Okay, so here's the deal. Um, we all know that I am a ridiculous fangirl of Parnassus Books, independent um, bookstore in Nashville, Tennessee, mm -hmm. owned mm -hmm. by author extraordinaire Ann Patchett. Mm -hmm. So on Tuesdays, they do a video feature called The Laydown Diaries. Tuesdays are new release book days, like Friday is opening day for movies, mm -hmm. Tuesday is opening day for books. So, but on Fridays, they do a, vi a different video feature called If You Haven't Read It, It's New to You. Mm -hmm. So, um, last week, um, or possibly week before, I, you know, it's been a minute, but um, recently a book was recommended by um, one of the booksellers there called Glaciers. It was a debut novel released in 2012 by um, Alexis M. Smith. And I stayed up very late one night last week um, reading it from cover to cover. Not sorry for the sleep I lost. Not, not, no, hashtag no shame, hashtag would do it again. Um, it's a beautiful little novel. It tells the story of this woman who um, works in a library. She's, she does repairs to damaged volumes. She has spent her whole life being entranced and enchanted by old things. She loves vintage clothing. She, um, we hear the story about the first um, postcard she ever bought in like an old um, old bookstore or old junk shop or something. Mm -hmm. um, and she's, she's like, she's got all these choices and which one does she want to take home and make her treasure? And she's, she's fascinated by the stories and lives, past lives, of ephemera and old clothes and old objects, right? So um, we we get some of her backstory from when she was a kid and um, jumping back and forth from then to present day where she kind of develops a little nerd crush on the um, computer wizard who also works at the library. Um, his nickname is Spoke. Um, which comes from a connection that he has to a bicycle. He is a war veteran, and um, the just the the slow, gentle, awkward blossoming of of this relationship between the two of them. Um, it, just gorgeous writing, beautiful storytelling, characters I cared about, um, and you can finish it in a night. So it's like what is not to love about this scenario so from 2012 glaciers by alexis m smith highly recommend okay anything else eh, i've watched a few little pieces of stuff here and there um eh, nothing really to write home about or talk about much i watch most of my stuff with you so yeah um oh speaking of ann paget um 
she was on CNN. She was being interviewed on CNN about the uh, spate of book bannings that have been going on. And Ugh. she was... Oh, um, God. Between Tennessee, Texas, and Florida, it's like, who is trying to drag their knuckles the lowest? Um, but, yeah, she'll talk about it. Yeah, and she... she I just saw little bits and pieces of it, mm -hmm. um, and it was like, she was she was saying clearly they have not read these books. You know, if they're banning the Diary of Anne Frank, you know, or the graphic novel, they apparently don't understand what graphic novel means. Oh, God, um, she she talked on a video recently about a 900 plus page book that had been banned somewhere, and basically, um, long and short was, whoever banned this could not have read the whole thing. It's 900 plus pages. Um, she said it just, you know, people are banning stuff for sport, or they're, they're objecting to content based on what their beautician's nephew's mother said, mm -hmm. um, you know, over cigarettes and gin rummy at mommy play care or whatever. Um, it, it's just the people who are doing all of the complaining don't seem to be doing any of the reading. Yeah, or thinking, for that matter. Yeah, well, they're thinking kind of... So they're thinking ish. Yes. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Ann Patchett is also out on book tour intermittently right now, um, promoting her new novel, Tom Lake, which is a pandemic tale of a family, and I'm kind of saving it for vacation. Okay. So. But I've got my signed copy. Congratulations. With my name actually written down in it. Um, I haven't watched much of anything new. We are, of course, still watching uh, Lower Star Trek Lower Decks. You're I'm watching Ahsoka. Ahsoka. Um, Only Murders. Only Murders in the Building. The last two episodes of which have been really good. Yes. Uh, we get one more episode of Only Murders, and then I think it's gone forever. I oh, know. but but say what you told me earlier about what's coming to Hulu. Oh, yeah. Uh, apparently, they have worked out the rights, finally. And Moonlighting, the 1980s, 90s... Uh, late 80s, mid to late 80s. ...detective show uh, is finally coming to a streaming service. It was completely unavailable unless you wanted to buy DVDs. Uh, but it's going to be on Hulu in October. I have such misty, nostalgia, happy, fuzzy feels right now. I can't even stand myself. I went looking for it a few years back um, because I was looking for things that I had loved from previous lives and, and whatnot, and it wasn't anywhere, and it was like, wah, 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 sad yeah. face, but yeah. now my sad face is happy. Yeah. <clears throat> the uh, <clears throat> You various... introduced me to it when we were engaged. <clears throat> yes. Um the various needle drops throughout the show, the little bits of songs or whole songs. That was a huge rights yes, conundrum. It would have been it's very expensive, so yeah. to get the rights to, to stream that stuff. Even, you know, a two bar snippet of something is that's gonna cost you. So yeah, apparently they have worked that out or they have, you know, digitally gone in and cut all that stuff out. Oh, I hope in, not put in fair use music. Because we'll be able to tell. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah, uh, that's that's 
I'm looking forward to that because I haven't seen those shows probably since they may have been in reruns on local TV for a little while. But I don't know that they ever really syndicated <clears throat> it much even. Well, then they only had three, three and a half seasons. So, and, and of course, you know, the two stars couldn't stand the sight of each other uh, at some point. Which is hilarious. Yeah. Because the, the on-screen chemistry seemed so great. And, you know, and the whole premise of the show was, will they, won't they? And then they did. And then the show went in the crapper after that. So. Which often happens. But yeah. I will say, um, I remember the first episode I ever saw. We were downstairs in the den at my parents' house watching TV. And... Um, you found it. You had been watching it first. Mm-hmm. It's like you might like this, and so we're and we're like actually watching TV as opposed to saying we were watching TV yes. and you Second know phase. smooching. Um, but so I have such sentimental attachment to this. This is going to take me right back to being engaged and being a newlywed and happy, happy, yeah. yay, and also squee. So uh, we have yeah. that to look forward to. Um, season two of Loki is also going to be coming mm. out in a couple of weeks mm-hmm. or a week or so. So that's cool. Yay. Uh, <clears throat> now, the only thing out of the ordinary I watched, and I regret it, is Shock Docs, Devil's Road, the true story of Ed and Lorraine Warren. Oh, it was such a cheese fest. It is a travel channel original that is now also on Max. Uh, it's like a 90 minute, would have been two hours on TV, um, uh, pretty portrait of Ed and Lorraine Warren and their various investigations that made them America's demonologist, uh, duo or whatever they called them. And, um, yeah, it's a very uncritical look at them and the various investigations that made them stars their work yes their work uh and of course they talk about the conjuring movies uh the and amityville all those horror. other spinoffs and, and uh, the amityville horror um not going back and saying oh by the way this was crap yeah not going yeah not 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 saying anything about how the lawyer uh admitted yeah we made that story up just to get a book deal and and movies and stuff. I thought from looking at it that it was much older than it was, but it was actually produced in 2020. Yeah. Um, yeah. It Which had, surprised me. It had been on Travel Channel. Uh, the Shock Docs is Travel Channel's longer form uh, look at the paranormal. Uh, they tend not to, again, be critical at all about anything. Uh, not... Not a hiding or hair of any of the Ghost Adventures crew to be seen. <laughs> well, uh, they probably would have loved to have been in it. But anyway, uh, yeah, it's it, it depends on your uh, tolerance of cheese and 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 uh, whether you believe in ghosts or you don't. They could have shot. They should have called it a schlock doc. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's. I think I may have referred to them at some point that way. But anyway, uh, yeah, it's it. If you're interested in the Warrens and you want a uh, completely uncritical look at their whatever, uh, then by all means, watch uh, Shock Docs, The uh, Devil's Road, the true story of, true story, of Ed and Lorraine Warren. 
Uh, anything else? Uh, no. Next week is my pick, and it it's is. also the beginning of spooky season. <laughs> and next week is episode 200. No pressure. No pressure at all. Oy. I'm sure you will deliver something amazing. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, uh, please make sure you join us for that edition of Comedy Tragedy Marriage. We appreciate it. Please go to Spotify and or wherever you get your podcast and subscribe. Uh, five stars, a review, whatever you can do on whatever platform you choose. And if you have a suggestion for us uh, for something to watch, send us the name and what it is you want us to watch and uh, what it is and why you want us to watch it. And send that to ComedyTragedyMarriage at gmail.com. I'm Stan the Movie Man. That is Maud the Movie Broad. Hey. Love you. <laughs> Love you too. And until next time. Later. later.